the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I am so glad to be in the house with you, even though it is still pretty cold out there, a little nippy and supposed to rain. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we will endeavor today to learn how we're supposed to live in this world and leave a legacy or if not leave a legacy, leave a model by which young people and old people and everybody that is about us might be able to follow a pattern that will ultimately glorify God. If you know what I mean, we want to make a mark when people, when we leave and people think about, we miss you. We miss him. We miss her. We miss them. That's the goal of your life and mine. Welcome to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Glad to be in the house with you. Let me give you the number before I get to ranting about today's topics. one 367 Five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number to reach yours truly. If you uh, if you want to talk with me, um, been a couple of weeks. We had President's Day off last week, and we didn't have a chance to get our Monday fix. And I trust that that's what you get out of this program—a kind of Monday fix, a post-Sunday celebration, if you will, after worship and uh, a time with the people of God and and maybe some ministry as well and uh, launching a new week after the end of a work day or if you're a homemaker, mom, mother, grandparent, grandmother, grandfather, what have you, and you're listening to to me, um, just a, a, a easy like Monday morning and now Monday evening. And uh, yeah, let's start to cultivate if you will, our thoughts and our minds on 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 important on important matters. I I was uh, thinking about <clears throat> as I stated in my opening uh, uh, points um, how important it is for the young men, young women to um, to to start right in life, um, get about an education, get about a skill set, get about. Um, a, a discovery of your gifts, if you will, uh, and then the cultivation of those gifts and and then the implementation of those gifts, because that's what God has called us to. He's called us to a, a labor of love, a work of faith, uh, a, a call to make an impact in our society, to spread his glory uh, in the particular field of interest to which we have been geared, steered and uh, and trained and and I'll tell you what, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is kind of just talk about two people that have uh, been in the news recently that will serve as kind of tandems for our spiritual and theological reflection today. Uh, unfortunately, these two persons are at the present time the center of attention on a more negative uh, level. But but we can learn things from people who make mistakes, from people who err significantly because uh, well, that's what we do when they're uh, operating out of a high platform and position by which the vast majority of the world gets to know who they are because of what they've done. Then we all get a chance to stand back, uh, assess, analyze and determine how would we have approached that particular issue? How would we have engaged that particular challenge or temptation or trial? And certainly for you who are people of God, we know daily we are going through trials. We are dealing with temptations. We are beset with battles and we are inclined to make decisions that don't always correspond with wisdom. In fact, sometimes we can be on a fool's errand. 
Now, I'm not calling you a fool. You, you might be one, but I'm not. I'm, PJ's not calling you a fool. I'm just simply talking about fool errands. Sometimes wise men can be on a fool's errand. Um, and even sometimes fools can actually do a wise thing here or there. On this particular occasion, however, we're going to be looking at two men who certainly have engaged in a fool's errand. Now, in this corner, we will be dealing with a young man, very young man, somewhere in his middle 20s, African-American, an emerging star of sorts who has come into the middle of uh, the massive media frenzy. And uh, this individual just is your your, your typical young black African-American. And then over in the other corner, we're going to be dealing with an old dude. I mean, a real old dude as old as maybe Moses, or maybe even Noah. I don't, I don't know. Just, just old. One of these old brothers that you, you know, you would think they should know better. Okay. So uh, with young people, as I stated, your job is to really start right. Make sure you start right in life and then become successful by all of the necessary tools by which success can occur. Humility, uh, discipline, uh, temperance, prudence, wise, wise counsels around your life. As a young person, make sure you always keep an upline of people in your life that can rein you in. Now, you you want the the unfettered freedom to just launch out. That's what your testosterone says. That's what your that's what all of your ambitions say. This is the young man or the young woman. You you just want to launch and fly. I want to be free. But the problem is you weren't meant to fly. You don't have wings. So when certain wind turbulences and pockets hit you, you're going to start that descent down and if something's not there to catch you you're going to have what we call a fall so it's important for the young person to start right and then develop 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 with restraints and boundaries and parameters that can allow you to appreciate the discipline of ascendance the discipline of maturity the discipline of hard work the discipline of being uh, a trainee if you will uh, training day, if you will, uh, <laughs> or um, what we would call in in in, uh, in mechanics or in engineering or in plumbing, years and years of uh, what we call apprentice work. I was an apprentice, and then at some point I became a journeyman. Uh, and in the process of an apprentice to a journeyman, you really are having people look over your shoulders and to tell you that you're doing a good job or you need to emphasize this, emphasize that. You have weaknesses here and you have strengths there. That allows you to develop within the framework of a kind of safety net. But if you push off all of those virtues, all of those integrity factors by which you can start right, become successful, and then leave a model for the downline. If you push that off, then you're going to end up like this young man did, engaging in a fool's errand. Now, I've said this recently because I'm more or less an older person and on the tarmac of life, and I'm I'm looking down at the last leg of a 400-meter race, Um, And I might have 20 or 30 years to go, maybe the Lord willing. But even if I should have 20, 30 years to go or more, uh, because I definitely know some of my peer, my uh, my my upline who are in their 90s. And here and there, we have some very healthy, mentally strong, very socially aware, spiritually convicted people who are in their 90s. I happen to be moving closer towards 60. Uh, But in any event, my brothers and sisters who are peers of mine a little bit older, you and I, we are really uh, called upon to finish well. Now, the individual in the opposite corner of the young man uh, apparently has no interest in in, in finishing well, making sure that he guards presumption. The older person has to make sure that they are careful not to operate out of assumptions that nothing that they do matter. Uh, nothing about where they go and what they engage in matters. The older person has to be careful about the assumption that they don't have to answer to anybody. 
that um, that that the level of accountability for which they have lived all these years and which now is forming and shaping a grid for legacy um, is not still a critical component in the shaping of their character. They still have to be careful. Older people, you have to still be careful that uh, that you don't find yourself in, uh, given to such a massive fall toward the end of your life that when your legacy is written, all people know is your legacy. Not all the good that you did, that crazy, stupid fool's errand that you engaged in by which you collapsed the card of the house of all of the benevolent good things and, and altruistic endeavors and helpful things that you've engaged in. Now, yeah, people will labor uh, tenaciously to try to bring those up when you die, but in reality, you will have a stench and uh, an infamy that hangs over your legacy if you finish bad. So while we pray, Lord, let us finish well. Uh, so who am I talking about here? Who who am I really reflecting upon as I am calling you and I to integrity today? Well, the first one is a young man called Jesse Smollett. I didn't say Jesse. I said Jesse. His name is Jesse, J-U-S-S-I-E. Mine happens to be Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, in the masculine form as always without the I, generally in English as well as in Greek, uh, probably Espanol as well, or Latino, or yeah, Greek and Latin. Um, the, the I often is an indicative of a feminine or neuter. The, um, the absence of the I for Jesse, E, means that it's masculine. In this case, the young man's name is Jesse, J-U-S-S-I-E, Smollett. Now, if you've heard about him, it's almost impossible. He's ubiquitous. His, his, his handsome African-American faces all over the news, whether it's Fox News or CNN News or ABC News, NBC News. He's everywhere because of what he did. And then the other brother that's everywhere because of what he did, too, happens to be the owner of the New England Patriots, Mr. Robert Kraft, one of the NFL's most influential figures, 77 years old, 770 years old. Uh, he's a billionaire. And you guys know him. He, he has one of the most winning teams in the NFL, the New England Patriots. I talked about them on Sunday that you don't have to like them, but because they understand discipline, they know how to play defense, they're going to beat you most of the time if you lag it. You ain't got to like them. You don't, and in fact, you don't even have to like heroes. Heroes are heroes whether you like them or not. But we got some ugly going on here with Mr. Kraft. And we got some ugly going on with Mr. Smollett. What are the lessons that you and I can learn from this? Well, when we come back, I'll tap into it and uh, we'll see what you have to say about it. And uh, I'll be opening the phone lines for comments, questions, uh, observations, and things like that. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gistan. A lot of news items for the month of, of March as well that I want to chat with you about. The number one 888 1-888-367-5329. 1-888-367-5329. Don't go anywhere. You're getting ready to learn a lot. Learn a lot. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. The time 522 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Uh, I opened up talking about two individuals on fool's errands. And I don't know if you've been hearing the news about Jesse Smollett. He happens to be one of the cast members on uh, largely an African-American uh, program called the Empire uh, program that has been airing on um, BET television, I, I suppose, and maybe a few other um, programs for uh, different channels as well over the last three or four or five years. I don't know. I do remember when it came out and some of the prominent actors around it, you wouldn't get me to be able to really express their names fully because I, I really don't care that much for them. Um, uh, 
Uh, but I do recognize them. I've seen them in different movies and different scripts. However, uh, when I saw the kind of trailer maybe four or five years ago about, about the Empire, and it happens to be all about music, so that's a big issue with our young people, big issue for even older people, as you would know. Empire is about the aspiring uh, success of a, a young man and his female companion and their family, kind of a family empire around music, hip-hop, etc. And Jesse Smollett was one of the sons, I believe, yes. And uh, <clears throat> in the movie, uh, he plays uh, a young African-American, I think hip-hopper or maybe music producer with the objective of uh, uh, his particular scene serving as is the case with almost all of your programs a kind of spectrum between your black and white and now your colored people and along with your colored people, um, your gay and lesbian, your homosexuals and your bisexuals, that whole spectrum of what we call now identity politics really dominates your, your entertainment media. As you would know, you would be able to pick up on that since when you watch most of your newer programs today. Well, Empire certainly does that. I had a chance to observe one or two or at the most over this spectrum of the years pieces of the program and when I realized that it was basically glamorizing uh, treachery and vice and uh, foolishness with all of your different paraphernalia that most uh, most of your inter- entertainment industry would engage in uh, I left off with it because it had no real redeeming value uh, even though it's making tons of money so what? Well, anyhow, I, I, I was perusing through the news uh, maybe a week ago or two and then run across this young man, Jesse Smollett, and uh, and, and come to discover <clears throat> that he had basically uh, what the what the what the police are saying is concocted a scheme by which he alleged to have been assaulted by a couple of persons who were uh, Donald Trump advocates with, with red wigs or red caps or something like that, that basically covered his head and put a rope around his neck and and beat on him a little bit and and, 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 and talked about him as a Negro and talked about him as a as a homosexual and and uh when I heard the uh, story and I saw him talking with uh, either uh, I forget her name, Robin, on the early morning show, Robin, somebody. Uh, I think I actually saw it on the news. So that's the only time I watch TV is around the news. I'm watching this young man as he's talking about what happened to him. And I'm becoming very uh, much um, uh, a critical thinker around uh, news that basically is so conveniently connected to the fundamental narrative of your of your left right political argument. As you guys know, if you listen to me at length, that I don't play that. I just don't play the left is right and the right is wrong, or the right is right and the left is wrong. In my book, the vast majority of both sides are wrong. So when I hear a leftist like Jesse, because Jesse, because I could tell by the way he framed his um, his 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 hour in the spotlight is that he was a, a vociferous opponent of Donald Trump. And he felt like because he was a young black man and, 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 and openly gay and and somewhat prominent in terms of his uh, his success on Empire, that somebody uh, from the, you know, rabid foaming at the mouth Trump camp wanted to beat him down. Well, was it really interesting? Because what he said was these were two people put a hood over his head, head, was able to get a loose around his neck, and he still beat them off of him, and they ran. Well, now that's okay. All right. So here go two dudes that's going to do that to you, and you're going to beat them down, and they're going to run. That's a very convenient narrative. It didn't really wash over well with me, but I said, okay, if that's what happened, let's uh, let, let's see how this all falls out because he's on everybody's TV show. Uh, you can imagine giving his story, and his story was pretty convincing, and all the folks on the left jumped on it and said, see, we got a rise in assaults against black people and people of color from the Trump camp because there's a bunch of rabid white folks that hate black people, et cetera, et cetera. That's all you heard. That's all you heard. That's all you heard. Then a couple weeks later, the law enforcement agency in the city that he is in, and I'm thinking in Chicago, if I can recall, I think it is, um, do exactly what the proverb says. This is why you got to be very uh, careful to be objective. He that is first in his own cause always seems just. 
but his neighbor comes and spies him out. Y'all never read that proverb? See, like the first one running and crying wolf, you, you got to listen to him, but you can't bite. You can't bite until you get legitimate corroborating evidence that what he's saying has some real validity to it. But, you know, in our media crazed uh, culture, the media jumped on that. And, and you know, President Trump is, is just a wild rabbit animal. Uh, <laughs> there's some merit to that, but it had nothing to do with what Jesse is up against. Apparently now the police have uh, waged a major, major, major body of evidence against him for this being nothing but a hoax. Absolute hoax. When I discovered that, I said, whoa. And and what I did, and just for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all kinds of articles and commentaries on both sides uh, to to affirm that I actually just am completely leaning on the part of the Chicago Police Department because they are public upfront and giving testimony and and, uh, clear and credible evidence of how they went about investigating his story and found it to be discredible and uh, end up uh, catching a couple of dudes on camera who were uh, accomplices with Jesse Smollett in this hoax. Now, this wouldn't even be a newsworthy discussion, Saints, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, we're being pressed in on every side, you, me, everybody, with, as I've stated for a long time now, is the dialectical process of politics that would love to uh, frame your vision, frame your worldview. Tell you what to believe, tell you what to do, tell you how to think, tell you how to feel even. That's 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 where you and I are. If you don't if you don't participate in the group dynamic and remember what I told you, you shall not follow a multitude to do evil. Then somehow you are automatically wrong. Like, see, the real problem with Jesse uh, in this matter for me is spiritual and psychological. Yes, it's social and uh, yes, it's political. Uh, and, and yes, it has uh, under uh, other underlying components. But for me, I'm looking at it on a psychological, spiritual and theological level. What, what's 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 going on here with, with Jesse Smart? What is he suffering from to cause him to concoct uh, this ludicrous, ludicrous scheme that seems to be heading towards a very, very costly backfire on his part? If he were my son or my nephew or a relative of mine, I would be wondering what compelled this young man to set himself up for such a major default. Because you see, he was in a really good place, to be honest with you. I mean, had he played his cards right about who he was as an African-American, I, you know, his talents weren't super great. I mean, he wasn't wasn't the next Denzel Washington or or Will Smith by any means of this imagination. Just keep, let's clear this up now. Empire, in my opinion, was like you know bootleg CDs. Okay, some of y'all might have liked it, not me. Bootleg CDs, but for him to take advantage of some of the most inflammatory components that go into most of your uh, deep and profound conversations among young people and uh, Gen Xers and millennials, and that is the whole intersectional uh, social justice narrative of black folks and, and gay folks and, and young folks and, and millennials and, and gender identity and all of that versus uh, white folks. Folks are versus uh, conservatives are versus, you know, biblical traditionalists and certainly versus Donald Trump and versus uh, prejudice and discrimination for him to take that whole narrative. And to use it as a foundation for his hoax. It means a lot in terms of how careful you and I must be about how we hear the conversation that goes on in the ether around what people believe is right and wrong. You need to be very careful to know that he serves as a model for us of an individual that saw a loophole in the narrative. 
He saw a loophole in the narrative of your intersectional dialogue around black and white and social justice and gay and lesbian and, and all of this and, and vulnerability and white privilege and, and, and right, white fragility and social justice. He saw a loophole and you know what he did? He thought he could take advantage of the media with it and launch him a massive career out of it. Now, what makes a young man of less than 28 years old compelled to do something like that? Well, as a sage of almost 60 years old and as a father of eight, having sons and daughters his age and older, and being the pastor of a uh, of a moderately large church of diverse ethnicity and, and always in the mix with young people. I mean, I'm always in the mix. I'm in the mix with young people right now. The people flying this plane are the millennials and Gen Xers right now. So I know they're hearing what I'm saying because this is the world they live in. What makes a young man who has all of the potential in the world to be successful and influential? And therefore, as I said, as a young man, you should start right. Young woman, you should start right. You should be successful on the basis of discipline, hard work, structure, a good upline, boundaries, parameters, so that you are operating out of a sense of prudence and discretion. Let I was told by the old folks this way. Slow money is show money. Y'all maybe didn't get that. You want your money to be sure, just take your time incrementally working up the ladder. Fast money is always a problem. The proverb puts it this way. He that hasteth to be rich is about to sin. That's our ethic here, because when I come back from the break, I'm going to talk to you about what I see in this young man that set him up for this tragic fall. Then we're going to get on the old dude. Okay, so I've uh, I've got three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Love to hear from you as we are are contemplating, deconstructing, analyzing, critiquing our world, and uh, uh, hoping to do a better job of contributing to clarity, light, conviction, conversion, salvation of men and women uh, in our present world system. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Giston. I'll take a break and then we'll continue with our topic. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back. We've gotten one line open if you want to begin to join us in the conversation before I go to the phone lines. one 367 uh, we're looking at two uh, object lessons for our discernment today. One is a young African-American male, Jesse Smollett, and a hoax apparently that he has committed that has really actually become a significant talking point around the way uh, the sort of major narrative of social justice is working today with all of its terminology uh, and intersectional components that I have said are intrinsically conflicting uh, identity markers that eventually turn in on themselves and begin to go to war uh, with themselves, i.e. if you are a black man. Uh, and 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 there is a, a another man who is also black. Uh, you have this in common. You're both men. But if you mess around and get on the wrong side of this social justice narrative, you'll end up being in conflict because one of you is black and one of you is white. See what I'm saying? If you are a female uh, and you happen to be African-American. Uh, and, and let's say you're an African-American female, but you are a Christian believing African-American female. And here's another African-American female, but she happens to be uh, a lesbian or bisexual. Um, you are necessarily in conflict with her necessarily because of intersectionality. And let's say you have another person who wants to jump off of the binary uh, gender spectrum of male and female, which is the only real spectrum that constitutes reality, but wants to move into the transgender uh, dimension of uh, self-identifying. Well, that particular transgender person can bounce all over the proverbial proverbial chessboard of intersectionality and go to war with all the other parts, too. Do you see the problem you come into when you buy into that narrative? The moment you go, I am this, I am, I am a Native American, okay? But see, you're more than Native American. You're a whole litany of things that will set you up to be in conflict with others that you might think you're on the same team with. 
Like there are a lot of people within the intersectionality group that really didn't care at all for what Jesse did because Jesse set up a, a, a now not an advancement, but a regression of the movement by that kind of behavior. See what I'm getting at? I actually call this the Babylonian system of confusion. It ends up being contradictory, intrinsically conflicting. And the next thing you know, they're going to war with one another. Just go on to YouTube. You find them fighting all over the place. Fighting all over the place. But what I wanted to call your attention to around this young man is that, in my opinion, what drove Mr. Smollett to do this was two things. Um, undisciplined privilege. Undisciplined privilege. Apparently, what had come out by the two African-Americans, not really African-Americans, they were Nigerians who were paid $3,500 by Mr. Smollett to actually help engage in concocting this hoax was that Mr. Smollett was trying to get a raise on his job. Now, mind you, he was already making about $100,000, anywhere from $80,000 to $100,000 per episode. Whoa. He was already making between $80,000 and $100,000 per episode. Now, let's slow this camera down a little bit and ask the question. Can you, a single man, survive off a pittance of $80,000, not a season, an episode? And let's say they had something like 12 episodes a year. Can you do the math? I know you went to government school, but I know you can multiply eight times 12. I know that. Do you know how much money that is in the course of a year? Yeah, we already know. He was slated to make over a million dollars just in one year. And Empire was actually slated to continue growing. So here's what I say. This young man was privileged. And in his privilege, he was overambitious. Somehow he thought he was all that, like the program Empire somehow could not stand without him. Well, you know what? He's gone now. They didn't wrote him right out the script. Not only does his brother not have a job and therefore does not have that guaranteed money. Do you really think with him doing what he did, Hollywood is going to keep him around? You think so? You think Hollywood is going to bring him back and make him a star when he has just put a blight on the whole social justice system, on the whole media manipulation system, on the whole crying victimized individual? Because that's the problem here. We're crying victim, 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 victim. And as some of the folks in the media has said, when you cry victim being crying whoop, and in fact, you're really not uh, one uh, upon whom a perpetration of a crime has occurred, you really set everybody back. I totally agree with that. What's going on with him? I think it's, it's about greed. It's about narcissism. It's about low self-esteem. It's about selfishness. It's about opportunism. And maybe other pathologies going on in, in Mr. Smollett's life where even if he had all the money in the world, he could never really be satisfied if he's not the center of attention. You see what happens when you start going mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? If I have to get the attention from the whole world, I'll burn it up to get it. Because that's what he was really trying to do. And when you have that kind of tunnel vision and short-sightedness, you set yourself up for a fall. As the proverb says, he that rolleth a stone, it's going to roll back on him. Now, young people, if you're listening to me, please put a check on narcissism. Put a check on overambition. Put a check on thinking that you are the hottest thing since sliced bread. Don't listen to your mom and your daddy when they tell you you can be or do anything you want to. You can't. You can't be anything you want to. You can't do anything you want to. You can only do what God has gifted you to do. That's all you can do. You can do that and none other. And you may not be able to do that if God doesn't give you the grace to sit down and be patient and develop and grow and have discipline and structure and uplines to keep boundaries on you. You may never, ever reach your full potential if the world revolves around you. So in my opinion, Jesse is about to pay a, a very heavy price to learn that you got to be patient 
if you're going to really, truly prosper. He utilized and manipulated a system where everybody can be triggered today by racism and discrimination and, and sexism and genderism and, and classism. So I want to say to you, because I'm going to take a break, then we're going to come back and deal with you with the phone lines. I want to say to you, children of the living God who should be walking in wisdom, don't follow a multitude to do evil. And don't be the simpleton, as Proverbs chapter uh, 14, 15 puts it. The simple believe every word, but the prudent looks well to his going. The simple, any times it come out, oh, that's true, that's right, that's this, that's it. But the prudent looks well to his going. Young person, be discerning. Have the ethical break of being able to back away and think about the plausibility of the proposition. Think about unintended consequences. Think about uh, uh, think about uh, rationale. Think about ambition. Think about uh, motives before you just jump on the bandwagon as a kind of shilling for this social justice movement that's going on today. And definitely don't definitely don't condemn the righteous and justify the wicked. As a child of the living God, you have to use discernment. All right, I'm going to take another break. I've got one line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One line open. We can get out the phone calls before we go into the second hour and deal with the old dude um, who thought he was out of reach. But you know what uh, Orson Welles said long, long ago? Big brother is watching you. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back the time 550 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I do want to invite you to a very, very powerful and very important meeting of the men of God in two weeks on Friday, the 8th of March and Saturday, the 9th of March. This will be walking to win at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, Pastor Phil Howard is the senior pastor there, and I will be the keynote speaker on Friday and Saturday. We will have a time where the men are gathering to be exhorted, encouraged, and actually to go into workshop mode of dealing with our character, dealing with our calling, dealing with our commitment to Christ. I'm going to actually be dealing with restoring the walls. Nehemiah's task of establishing the health and quality of the witness of God in Jerusalem as he was part of the uh, rebuilding of the temple in the in the days of uh, of of uh, of of Esther in the days of Xerxes in the days of the Persian rule. We'll just keep it that way. Uh, And the strategic wisdom that God gave him to be able to restore and to rebuild the walls and the gates in order that the people of God might have a clear identity, a careful, careful calling of recovery and health and prosperity for the witness and glory of God and a recommitment to the task of uh, of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the context of the unique uh, people of God. That's what we will be dealing with. It will be called rebuilding the walls. And we're going to be dealing with rebuilding the walls in three specific areas. The worship of men and the cause of God in Christ, the worship of men, the uh, personal communion and fellowship of men in their own homes with their own families, if in case that's the context, and then the witness of men in terms of their calling to be influential in the world. We know, we really do know that men have been devastated on many levels, talking about Smollett and talking about craft. Men have been devastated in the church on many levels, And don't even know where to start to recover, to rebuild the gates and walls of their own mind, their own heart, their own walk, their own ways, their own witness. Um, And that's what we're going to be dealing with. We're going to be dealing with the call to recover what the enemy has stolen. I'd love for you to be there, but you're going to have to call Valley Bible Church and and, and Hercules and, and, and find out what the dates are and times and everything. And we'd love to have you there for Friday night. And then have you there as the workshop begins at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, all the way till uh, about four o'clock in the evening. I'll be doing a final meeting, a final message at around three o'clock, and then we'll have a Q&A. I love Q&As because I love to just get down to the nitty gritty, unpack questions and and deal with uh, the challenges of our lives as men of God. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, fellas, if you're listening to me. 
I'll be honest with you, and we'll get a chance to take this up as a challenge next week in preparation for that Friday. I'll be be honest with you, fellas. There's a lot of MIA brothers in the gospel missing in action on a lot of levels, just missing in action, not standing on the front lines, not building the wall, not standing on the wall, And not being the wall. That's my next day message. The work is building, standing, and being the wall. The Bible has called men to be the frontline guardians of the cause of the gospel in the body of Christ. God has called men to that task. But men are missing today. And this has been the enemy's goal from the beginning of time. That's why he strategically went after the woman and always goes after the woman to wipe out the significance and role of men. And you guys know what I'm saying is true. We are not living up to our potential. And I want you to come so that you can see the glory of God in Christ as he works by his spirit in the lives of legitimate prophets to show how we rebuild the walls and we engage the work and we, we, we uh, endure the warfare. Walls, work, and warfare is what we're dealing with. And it requires weeping. Because we are unrepentant men, and therefore God is not using us as he ought to be able to use us. We are unrepentant men. So you need to come on out. God's going to help you get it right if you come on out uh, March 8th and March 9th. Just, just cut that out as a day where I'm coming to hear from God and whatever God needs to do in terms of cutting out of my life all of the wood, hay, and stubble of, of, of indolence and indifference and sinfulness and wickedness which has really trapped you and impeded you so that you haven't grown, matured, and developed and, and, and are not as productive as you should be in your walk with Christ. I got a lot of brothers out there just, just aimless, roaming around, doing nothing, complaining, but not committed to the task, undisciplined. And, w- and we've been that way since our birth. We grew up in broken homes. We grew up under broken families. We grew up with, without fathers in the home. We grew up with indolent fathers, weak fathers, fathers who didn't know their mission. And, and that carried over into our, our calling as, as men of God. And, and so all we have is men of God in our names, a lot of us now. God, God be glorified in what I'm saying. You know it's the truth, brother, and I'm talking to pastors out there everywhere right now. I don't care what pastor you are. You may have a thriving church. You know. That in terms of the ratio of commitment between men and women, we have a huge problem. Sisters are showing up. The brothers are AWOL. Always complaining, always hiding, always prevaricating, always finding excuses. God's calling you to walk in order to win. So stop making excuses. Get in the trenches with the brother on Friday night. Saturday night, we're going to be doing confession because confession leads to healing. And then we're going to be doing some commitment because commitment is the only way that we can move out of traps. And we're going to be working on clarity because without clarity, we have no light in order to make it down the pathway. We're stuck. All right, let me go talk to uh, Kiana on line one. Line number one, Kiana, are you there on line number one? Kiana, how are you? Hi, um, Pastor Jesse. I'm fine. Good. You it's want to talk rain. to me about my topic today? Yes. Um, I knew that when Jesse Smollett told his story, that it wasn't true. How'd you know? Because a lot of because it's like okay, you because wasn't Chicago having like a Arctic vortex or something at that time too? I'm like, why are you outside at two or three in the morning? Ooh. Like, why didn't you call Uber Eats if you were that hungry? <laughs> and if somebody threw something on you, like he had talked about, he had talked to be. He I'm said, like, he said that it was like um, some liquid stuff, almost like bleach. Okay, I'm like, it would have froze, and you would have had like bleach on your clothes, and you would have burns on your skin if all that happened. Hey, now, now, Kiana, I am not the brightest light bulb in the room, but if somebody throws bleach on my clothes, would my clothes turn some kind of different color? Yeah, they turn yellow or white or whatever, you know, color. Hey, now it sounds like you're on Mars. Where you at, girl? Where are you at? I'm be Well, you're breaking up on me. I can't hear you. I know this. I'm in a bad area now. Are you driving? Yes, 
no, I'm just walking. I'm walking. Okay, you're going to have to stop for one more minute. Just stop. Pull your pistol out. Pull your pistol out. And just stop. Okay, I'll stop. Okay, pull your pistol out just so they can see it. Just let them see it. You ain't going to do nothing with it. Just let, let them see you got a company. So now what were you going to say? Yeah, I, just, I knew he was lying because his story didn't add up. I'm like, if all that stuff is happening, nobody saw it. Right. Um, there wasn't any video. Right. Like his eyes and his body language. I was like, you are lying. I'm like, you are doing this to get attention. And that's all it was to raise his profile. Okay. And it's- I'm just like, you're making all this money that people would get your age. And then you want to come and create, like, so all this discord. So tell me something. Tell me something. How 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 is it that he thought that this was going to redound to his prosperity to his how how is it Canada that he even could even think that this would work out in a positive way for him? It it doesn't make sense to me. It makes sense to me because like if you think about some of the scriptures I think like where it says I think Revelation where it says men will be lovers of themselves and God will give you over to okay. your flesh. Yeah. Okay. He's okay. a gay. He's a gay African American male, and in his mind, since they said, "Oh, being gay is okay. You can marry. You can do this. You can do that." Okay. Well, I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna run with it. Right. And I'm gonna try to put that in as part of my struggle as being an African American man. And then I want to throw in the fact that. A lot of there's a lot of racism and stuff going on, right? And a lot of like homegrowners and people trying to revive the clan and all that stuff. He's gonna take all of that and mix it in a racist profile because he did a he had I seen an interview with him or some little concert clip of him right after the interview with Robin on Good Morning America or whatever, and he was like, he was calling himself the gay Tupac. I'm like, wow. okay, but Tupac really did get shot. <laughs> he sure did. For police brutality, he didn't, like, make that up. He didn't orchestrate it. He didn't do any of that stuff that happened to him. I mean, he was, granted, he was running the streets and being with people he shouldn't have been with, but, you know, all that stuff was stuff that really happened to him. Right. And it made him, like, more famous, and everybody thinks that by creating, you know, these situations is going to make them, you know, more famous. But if you're doing it based on a lie, you know, all your credibility is gone and nobody's going to want to deal with you because now he's like ruined whatever little career he had. Do you think he could ever recover? I don't, I don't think so. And if he does, it'd be like, it'd have to be like years and years down the line because the fact that he did so much stuff, especially yep. being a black male, when people that came before you that was black and fought and died yep. to have the right to get an education and all kinds of different stuff, all the black people that was in music and film and movies yep. and the stuff they had to go to, they weren't even getting paid right, all kinds of stuff. The civil rights movie, you just, you just totally disrespected all the work and stuff that the people that came before you did for you to even have that opportunity. I agree with you. Like you squandered it. It's like, boy, bye. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen, that's excellent, Kiana. Thank you for the call. I mean, that's excellent. You summed it up well. I, I just, you know, all I can say is that, you know, narcissism will do that to you. It will blind you to consequences. It will blind you to ramifications. It will set you up to fall. And obviously the enemy was behind that as well because he loves to get people out on the precipice of success and then kick them exactly. over so they can be consumed by the shark. And that's what's happening here. So we want to watch our young people. Right, because he created his own triangulation that like blew up in his face. Yep, he sure did. Like you went, you went super deep and just super, just all in, and it just blew up because you, you know, you you created this lie. And it was all about him. That's the problem. Exactly. See, and I'll just say this and let you go. Um, If we really want to be successful for the Lord really what Christ is calling us to do is be servants. The best way to be and blessed. Be, and be humble. Too, that's and, right. And, 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 and stop being lovers of ourselves. That's the problem with this culture. Everybody is self-absorbed. It's me, 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 nobody else. I agree. Thank you for the call. Bless you, girl. Let me go to line two before I go to break and talk with Daniel and Sonoma. Line number two. Daniel, are you there, my brother? Hey, hello, Pastor Jesse. What's, um, what's going I, on, man? I can be quick with you. Is that since I was 15, I'm 56 now, but or 20, whenever. I've been a lot of fools there, and 
Okay. I was called into the church, but I've still been a lot of fool's errands. And uh, I myself, oh, man, I, I have uh, represented a lot of things that weren't worth representing, and I have uh, stuck my head out in a lot of cases where it would have been better to keep my neck in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like uh, what little saying that Walter Martin started up, will you do for the truth what the cult do for a lie? Absolutely, that's what he said. questioning myself on that, you know. Yep. Um, how much have I done for the truth, for the wooden, uh, uh, for, the, for the gold and silver and precious stones? And, uh, you know, that's what it's about. And uh, a lot of times... A lot of times I have to, I don't want any of the callers that I've called in before or listeners to your show to think I'm sort of paragon of virtue that thinks I am. I'm actually a very flawed individual with a lot of human uh, failings, and it's just because I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that uh, he makes worthless things worthwhile. I agree. And he makes, uh, you know, it's it's all in uh, Hannah's prayer in First Samuel 2 and Mary's Magnificat, you yep. know, uh, yep. it says, is the bottom of the heap is going to go to the top of the mountain, and the top is coming down. Yep. And a lot of the, you know, uh, things that are high and mighty now are not going to be high and mighty in the future. Right. So, you know, I don't know what reaction you have to that or what you're going to say about Mr. Kraft, but... Uh, Listen, that's what... you gave a great gospel assessment to this whole um, account, and we're going to be moving into dealing with Mr. Kratz in this next hour after I uh, deal with my third caller. So I actually appreciate your your humble and um, it's actually some it's some myrrh around the fact that except for the grace of God, there go I. And I agree with you that we've had uh, stints in our past that could have um, at least in principle measured up with Mr. Smollett, uh, but because Mr. Smollett is on a, a platform, he becomes an object lesson for all of us to know that God resists the proud and give grace to the humble. Uh, and you keep you keep being content to to pursue uh, God's will, my brother, and 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 know that um, it is God that worketh in us the will and to do of His good pleasure. And we will never ever be satisfied with what we do for Christ. And that is part of the love allure that our spirit must have for Him who did all things well. Is that we would love to be like Him, but we don't seem to ever find the capacity to do so. That dissatisfaction uh, will be satisfied only when we see Him face to face one day. So keep your eyes on Christ and keep pressing towards as that wonderful uh, beatitude is given. Uh, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for verily they shall be filled. Bless you, my brother. Look, I got to take a break. Um, When I come back, Travis, I'll get you in Berkeley. I've got three lines open, one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. Three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We can talk about Smollett, but we're certainly about to now move into Mr. Katz as well and see what we can learn about how old people sometimes forget that they have not exit the war. So so they have a right to take their armor off. Keep your armor on until you breathe your last breath. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 